0: Welcome to Mental Health Film Comment. This is Brian here with you. The 2018 Memory Games, and I believe this is on Netflix, is a documentary about memory athletes and memory Olympics and fun stuff like that. And uh, joining us today to talk about memory is Chase Demarco with the medical mnemonist, and the um, and I and I did I pronounce that cor- I don't think I pronounce that correctly. Did I?
1: Medical nematist like mnemonics. Yeah, nobody okay. can ever pronounce that yeah. right, <laughs> including the person that does my bumper on my podcast. Right,
0: so. <laughs> so, so well, welcome. Um, so, thank you, thank you for for being here today.
1: No, I'm happy to be sure. here.
0: <laughs> um, so, I, I did want to mention um, a couple resources up front for everyone. I know that there are a couple different crisis text lines available. In the U.S., you can text HOME HOME to 741, 741. In the U.K., you can text SHOUT to 85258. And depending upon where you are in the world, uh, check your local listings, as they say. Um, Chase, thank you as much for for being here today. I, I appreciate it.
1: No, I really like it. I think this is going to be an interesting discussion because this is definitely outside of the realm. I usually talk about these types of techniques, but uh, it can be so beneficial to so many people. I think this is great to spread out a bit.
0: Oh, absolutely. Now, um, I would be remiss if I did not mention up front that you're not going to be talking about anything mental health related or depression related, et cetera, et cetera, but specifically with regard to memory. And- and I wanted to have you on because I always like to emphasize resources and tools available for people whether it's someone who is you know in in bed because they they're just not feeling it and they're going to be in bed all day um most likely and and conversely the ones who are doing well and and so and so want to be want to be sure that everyone um is um Drawing a blank. <laughs> That's not a good way to start a show. Drawing a blank as far as the very contradiction of what, what we're talking about today. Yeah, um, memories. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so I, I will try to keep the um, brain farts to a minimum because then that contradicts what we're talking about. Um, but I, I did feel that it was a very suitable and appropriate um, topic for conversations about mental health because that is, you know, by definition, something that keeps your mind occupied keeps your mind engaged and for those who as i said aren't doing too well and it might be this podcast is is you know the most are doing today a lot of memory type stuff is a way to do something productive even though it may not look productive does that make sense
1: Uh, Yeah, I think I see where you're going there. And you know, I'm definitely not a mental health professional, so don't take anything I say here as mental health advice or anything like that. But there is an interesting amount of resources out there. And actually, we can maybe add them to the show notes afterwards uh, as far as memory palaces and other mental techniques, really helping those with mental health concerns. Uh, And I've interviewed some people on that in the past in my shows, and there's just some really interesting information out there saying that it can help for depression and it's used with Alzheimer's patients. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, my audience is generally students, especially in healthcare fields. So that's kind of where my niche is, but this can be beneficial to anyone listening to this show.
0: Oh, absolutely. And and I have no doubt that the anecdotal body of evidence is inevitably getting into the more uh, evidence-based and empirical mm-hmm. um, school of evidence. I have no doubt that inevitably you are going to see some overlap from the anecdotal to the the, the evidence-based. Um, honestly, and I, I, I hope this doesn't sound mean or, or whatnot, but part of me was conflicted about having 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 the memory be and physically obviously we're not talking about (laughs) um memory in terms of alzheimer's and and but but more in the sense of like an active act of memory such as what's depicted in in memory games Mm -hmm. uh but and again i i hope i don't sound like a terrible person when i say that but part of me wants to keep the secret to, to myself and I don't know if you've ever felt that way because it's something where it's not really taught in schools that much. It's not. And so there's almost like a sense of like, like when you discover a new band you like, and then you're, you're like, you like, don't, you don't want anyone else to find out about it. That's the way I feel about a lot of memory arts. It's like, <laughs> I, I don't want anyone else to know because it's like, I want that to be bought. You know what I mean? Do you ever get that, that do you ever feel like that? <laughs>
1: You know, I I think there is an interesting disconnect between memory and education. And uh, actually, like we were talking about before hopping on this call, uh, Harry Lorraine, that you know, he talks about his experiences all the time and how he was not necessarily the best student until he figured out some of these memory techniques for himself. And there's always been a disconnect between memorizing information and understanding information. And in education in general, they try to separate those two, but you have to memorize at least some information, at least the foundational information in order to get a higher level of understanding, to comprehend more, to synthesize information. So the, the old premise that these things are separate is really flawed. And I think it's kind of a, a huge detriment to our education system right now.
0: It is. Well I, well, I remember when I was in, in school, and, I, and I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, so there would be, an, and I'm obviously not in, in New York any anymore, you know, we moved when I was little, but I remember when I was in school, there were these mnemonic tools to remember the Great Lakes. Mm -hmm. I don't remember what what those are anymore. (laughs) I'd have to go to Wikipedia to look it up. And for those outside of the US, the Great Lakes is uh, a region of of lakes in the uh, continental US. So those who might not know what I'm referring to. But there was, uh, it was like the Pledge of Allegiance and, and the you know, memorizing the Great Lakes, and I don't remember what they what they are. I remember obviously the the, the, the Roy G. Biv and yep. stuff like that, but I, I don't remember the the Great Lakes. I mean, do, do you did you have a similar experience at all, where there was like a memory tool that was kind of drilled into your head to memorize whether you know the Great Lakes or or, or you know Roy G. Biv, or did you have a comparable experience at all?
1: Yeah, I didn't have to memorize the Great Lakes. Think. <laughs> but uh i do remember the roy g biv i think that's the yeah. one that's most commonly cited by most people that still remember it because it's yeah. just easy and it's kind of ingrained in your memory if yeah. uh if your school was teaching that but i mean that's that's an acronym so it is a mnemonic it is a memory device but it's also just sort of the most basic type of memory device and generally speaking and speaking from you know medical school we had tons of acronyms for different things And you don't remember them after the test usually Uh, because they're, they're kind of meaningless. They're pointless. They're just arbitrary letters put together, usually initialization, either taking the first letter of every word or something along those lines, but they're not great memory devices. And I can't think of a single experience that I had where we used visual mnemonics or some sort of more advanced memory technique, which, you know, that. That's kind of what I try to teach students now, and especially when I'm tutoring medical students.
0: Well, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have on the show. So I don't want to, you know, contradict what I said about, you know, the, the feeling of selfishness. I want to keep it, keep it a secret. Um, anytime. And, and, and if anything, I want people listening to have that, that same sense of like, cool, I got something cool that no one else knows about. <laughs> you know, so, so I guess that would, that would be a way of putting it. I mean, if I can impart that to those listening, then, then, my, then my job's done, basically.
1: Well, and education. Your job's done. Absolutely. Yeah, education should not be kept to anyone. We should share as much useful information as possible and techniques to learn more effectively. At least that's my kind of philosophy. Um, that's why I started a, a website a long time ago when I started med school called Free Med Ed. It was for free medical education because I don't believe that... All of these educational resources that cost thousands of dollars a piece for you know third-party videos and hundreds of dollars per textbook. No, we need to share information. We need to learn as a society and not keep things secretive. So, you know, that's where I would probably push back on that one.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. Well, well, one of the um, well, my exposure to the, the memory arts as such as you're describing them, and you had mentioned Harry Lorraine. Um, and, and that's for those who, who are listening, that's L-O-R-A-Y-N-E, uh, not Keish Lorraine, but L-O-R-A-Y-N-E. And he is actually, for those who don't know, is a magician uh, in, I guess, one of his his day job or the night job or whatever it would be. <laughs> and I my exposure to a lot of the memory arts was and has been and continues to be through magic and and so i guess i may, might account for the feeling of you know wanting to keep it secret and the sub, some sort of like mixed emotions of of, of on one hand I, I want to share the info but on the other hand i want it to be um you know what i mean because that's a good feeling to have like when, when you know it and it's like
1: yeah, you feel special. Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: it's like it's like yeah, yeah. I guess that'd would, that would be a way of putting it. And
1: I know something uh, that everyone else doesn't know. This is awesome. yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's like this secret fraternity, this 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 secret uh, mm-hmm. society that you know people listening today to this episode are are are, are privy to. So it's almost like the the, the thing in Spider Man, you know, w- with great power comes right? responsibility. <laughs> don't don't go to Las Vegas and, and and try to pull a Rain Man in the casino.
1: Speaking with... of, I'm ca- calling from <laughs> Las Vegas right now. Oh, oh so. you are okay.
0: <laughs> yeah. See, so the, so there is what we're talking about has real life experience. Mm-hmm. Um, now, granted, those listening they, they might immediately go to the most trivial and, and the most mundane, whether it's uh, remembering a prescription or remembering uh, you know any you know any laundry list you know you know whether metaphorical or actual um, list. But there is um, more significant and more. Um, non-trivial usage
1: of this oh yeah i i think it's incredibly wasteful to try to use these techniques for something like a grocery list yes you can practice that way but it's so boring that no one wants to and then they get turned off by the technique because Like, well, I'm bored with this. I can just write this on a notepad in my phone and remember the groceries I need to get. Why would I spend all this extra, you know, mental faculties on using these techniques, which do take some skill to develop and and some time to develop on a grocery list? But no, we use them in medicine all the time. There's actually quite a few companies, and most of them I've interviewed at this point, that have very, very successful uh, videos and Uh, different educational materials that help students learn very complex materials and a lot of information because the quote in medical school is you uh, drink out of a fire hose. It's just so much information. And these mnemonics used properly are extremely useful.
0: Right now, you had mentioned um, pri- prior to um, us starting to, to record about uh, Memory Palace, and I, yeah, yeah. I am familiar with uh, Memory Palace, and it is actually, I had first heard about it not from the magic community, so to speak, but from the, the book Moonwalking with Einstein by mm-hmm. uh, Josh uh, Joshua for. yeah and and we'll and we'll get, get into a moment where where that title comes from but <laughs> um, the but what what would your readers digest synopsis of what a mem- memory palace is what would you what what would your definition of a memory palace be
1: um i would have to start before that uh, the memory palace is really a storage device mm-hmm. it's part of the mnemonic technique, but there are a lot of tools that you can use within a memory palace. So like the Reader's Digest version would be, start off with a visual mnemonic. So this is where you convert some bit of information, some words, some concept, some technique into something visual. And the process of doing that is a little bit time consuming. You need to find something that's personal to you, something you're gonna remember later on, usually something that's outrageous. Maybe it's violent, maybe it's sexual, usually stand out better. And then you place these mnemonics throughout a memory palace. Now, the memory palace is really just any location. It was originally called the the method of loci, loci, however you pronounce it. And it doesn't have to be a house. It doesn't have to be a building, but it can be. It can be outside. It can be digital. I know people that have made memory palaces from TV shows that they just know the set very well, from Minecraft, from magazine articles but in general like the easiest way to start off is probably to use your own house because you can close your eyes and visualize your house pretty well you can walk through in your mind's eye your entire house so as long as you can visualize the location and the details of the location it can be a memory palace you can use hospitals you can use libraries schools where the local gas station that you frequent restaurants whatever you can visualize can be a memory palace
0: now, have you heard the, and I'm not sure if this is true or not, but my understanding is that with, with what you just described, that has its origins in, uh, in, in Greek um, in Greek society, specifically there was a Greek philosopher, and there was a uh, building, uh, you know, some, some banquet, and there was a huge fire, and the building was, it would have been a fire, or I'm not sure what it was, and the building was destroyed, and mm-hmm. he had to identify the guests at the banquet. And this is obviously, you know, before, you know, you know, way back when in the old days. <laughs> so he had to go by, you know, memory. And is is that, is is that synopsis correct or accurate? Or have you heard variations of that um, as far as being the, the, the roots of the memory palace?
1: Yeah, that's definitely the origin story that's going around, whether it's anecdotal or not, we really don't know. But yeah, basically the building collapsed People are trying to find out who was where he could then close his mind or close his eyes and open his mind. And by using techniques some similar to this, he could locate every person from where they were sitting originally. And back then, you know, there wasn't as much written text. Everything, whether you were giving an orated speech for several hours or you were trying to memorize math and sciences, you had to actually memorize it. You couldn't write down all of your notes like we do in school now. You had to use memory techniques back then. Mm -hmm. And we've kind of lost a lot of that over time, but our minds are definitely capable of still doing this.
0: Now, are you familiar, and this is an author who I believe, and I I got his book from the public library, so I believe his books are are general audience uh, targeted as opposed to magician audience, I, I want to make that distinction because I want I always want to be careful anytime I mention an author's name that could be googled and I don't want to be Googled, you know I don't want people googling something that should not be googled unless you're you're privy to it but there is one author in particular I wanted to get your thoughts on a uh, Dominic O'Brien
1: oh O'Brien yeah I believe he was a seven time world champion mm-hmm. at some point and uh, I actually started off with a lot of his material too. <laughs> And I found it very useful. Uh, he was one of <clears throat> the first resources I came across that used kind of similar to the PAO method, which we can go into details about later. And um, much more advanced techniques have been developed since then, but I found his material very useful.
0: Yeah, one of the, 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 um concepts that he, he talked about in his book was having these historical figures or celebrities or whatever correlating with a number mm-hmm. so for example um the the one from superman uh the, the 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 wait a b c d e f g h i j so th- that was the only problem i had with with that is getting the direct correlation anything past a b c d or E, I have to go, oh, wait, so which which one? So that was the only problem that I had with, with, with that one is the correlating the number to the letter.
1: Um, yeah, the O'Brien the- method was kind of a, a precursor to the PAO method. So it was very useful at the time, but um, I had trouble with that exact same problem. And that's kind of why I like the PAO method better.
0: Oh, is that, is that the, um, yeah, and, and what what is that? The, 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 Because I've I've heard that that phrase before.
1: Yeah, it stands for person, action, object. So it it takes a long time to actually create this, and it takes a long time to memorize your own creation. So this isn't something that someone just wanting to remember a grocery list is going to want to put their time and effort into. But basically, it takes a similar concept to that. So the O'Brien method was converting like a one to an A, a two to a B. And so you have zero, one zero two, then you have one, two, one, three, one, four, et cetera, et cetera. And you make some sort of celebrity that stands out in your mind that has the same initials. Mm -hmm. And that's great if you know a lot of celebrities, Mm -hmm. but it's also limiting. So the PAO method kind of takes that to a next level. It uses three columns. You have the person, same as the O'Brien method, Mm -hmm. but then you also have an action and an object for each one of them. So for instance, if we wanted to do 32, I could say three, two, that's a C and a B, maybe Charlie Brown. What is Charlie Brown doing? He's kicking a football or trying to, and the objects of football, the action is kicking, right? So now we have a person, an action, and an object. Now, when you get more advanced and you're trying to learn longer strings of numbers or letters or whatever it might be, you can interchange these. So you can have whatever your person is in a different column, and then you can have the action that Charlie Brown's doing, kicking, and then you can have a a different object too. So maybe, um, let's say 22, uh, what would be a good one for BB? If you can think of one Uh, off the top
0: of your head. BB, Bridget Bardot.
1: All right. (laughs) Bridget Bardot. (laughs) (laughs) So we can have... BB and then CB. So Bridget Bardot is now kicking the football or kicking will take the action. And then we can have the object from a third column. So by having these three columns, you have three options for each combination of letters or numbers. And it just gives you a lot more variability. And then you can kind of make a whole story out of it.
0: I like that. And, and I like the, this process because, and again, I want to reiterate um, we're not talking about anything that, um, any, anything more than, than a tool um, in a toolbox, having stuff mm-hmm. at your disposal. But this is for, for those who aren't doing too well, for, for those who um, might not be getting out of bed today at all, this is a way to stay productive and, and do something because you are doing something productive. I mean it is something that that you can definitely say, okay, this, this, and this. So I just I just wanted wanted to to underscore that, that it is a yeah. way to stay busy and stay occupied even if you're not feeling well
1: your most important you know, part of your body is your brain. So exactly. even if you're yeah. sitting in bed, you can create mnemonics while you're there. You can think of things and then you can review them in your head. You can create a story and really entertain yourself. So it can be a really fun and creative process once you get the hang of it. But like you said, they're all tools. Every mnemonic yep. device is a separate tool.
0: Absolutely. Um, and, and the thing that I like about it is it's a very empowering process. It, it, it allows you to, you know, to, to obviously play an active role in memorizing stuff and not just be, uh, you know, a passive uh, observant, uh, oh, you know, like eating broccoli, but rather having it be, a, like you said, you mentioned the word uh, cre- creation and, um, you know, having it be a, just a creative process. Um, I think that is so cool.
1: Yeah, I have a terrible memory. That's why I started the Medical Mnemonist yeah. podcast. So I could have taken all of these courses from these memory champions and mnemonics instructors and, you know, been charged thousands of dollars. I'm like, hmm, I'm just going to start a podcast and then invite <laughs> them on. <laughs> so I get to ask them my questions for yeah. free. But I, yeah, I have a terrible memory. So when a mnemonic device works for me, I'm really excited about that. I'm like, yes good job you yeah you know? yeah
0: but I mean that that's got to be an empowering feeling right I mean it you, it, it, it's like so cool it's it's like uh, like a bad side not quite a mad scientist feeling but sort of in a way because it's like it's alive you know that, yeah. that, that kind of feeling <laughs> like
1: it's yeah yeah um, Yeah, especially when it comes to names, like, I'm just terrible at names. So when I can like, listen to a podcast, and they make a recommendation about some book, and they'll mention the title and the author, and I'll quickly try to make a mnemonic for it. And then usually I'm listening to podcasts in the car, you know, when you get Mm -hmm. out of the car, you kind of forget Mm -hmm. everything from in the car. (laughs) So if I can remember it later on, then I'm like, Oh, great, that actually worked. Mm -hmm.
0: But I'm um, this, this podcast though yours is one that I'm probably going to check out, and I would imagine everyone listening would likely want to check out as well because it's it's going to underscore the, you know having having the, the, having those tools available. And, and yeah. utilizing those.
1: And, and we definitely, you know, we're, that podcast is meant for healthcare students, nursing, mm-hmm. medicine, whatever, but the the tools, the techniques are universal. Mm-hmm. We're just putting it in the, you know, guys in the category of medical mm-hmm. education, but all of these techniques can be used in any aspect of your life, whether it's meeting new people, whether it's trying to remember important birth dates, anniversaries, whether it's just having some fun, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know memorizing key points of a book you just read that you thought were really interesting, but you might not remember them unless you write them down or create some sort of, you know, memory device. So it's just, it's universal. It can be used in any way in your life.
0: And one of the nice things also is far too often there are, you know, whether it's good memories or bad memories or, you know, some combination thereof, it's often spoken of in the context of something that, transpired and, and and we were you know react you know our, having a reaction to it mm-hmm. with what you're we're talking about um today and, and with what you're describing this is an active, um you know creation and and construction of new new memory palaces you know say so, so the word memory palaces and um and, and rewiring of, of of the neurons and a great way to uh you know build out that buffer and that safety net for any future occurrences of oh it's you know a, you know what i mean it, it it's it's taking a more active role yeah in, in that
1: process well memories are so fallible that's just yeah. that's they're not meant to be long lasting unless mm-hmm. they're repeated so sure. we always cover the forgetting curve it it was a study done a long time ago it says you know basically If you don't review something, you're gonna forget anything you learned within the first two or three days. So we also do definitely emphasize spaced repetition. So you you can create it, but you want to go over it several times in your head and you wanna go over it the next day and like two days after that, and like four days after that, and just do that repeatedly until it solidifies more. And I also recommend that people like write down their mnemonics just as a reference, because if you don't go over it for a while, you're still going to forget it. Your memory is just not meant to remember everything forever. So there's a lot of different techniques that we implement from, mm-hmm. you know, the creation of the visual mnemonic, then what do you do with it? Do you want to mm-hmm. use the story method? Do you want to put it in the memory post? Do you want to combine both of them, but they're all just tools. And you can use them in different mm-hmm. ways, depending on the material that you want to cover and how long you need to remember it for.
0: Yeah. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you is your, um, exposure and interest in the memory arts is in in the context of medical, um, you know, medical um, vernacular and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And undoubtedly, I I would imagine, I'm guessing 99.9% certainty, there's uh, people in law school who are um, utilizing these techniques, I would imagine that would be essential for someone to pass a bar exam. <laughs> uh, I'm sure that people can you know pass without it, but I imagine this plays a large part in passing the bar exam. And then there's also the the aforementioned uh, you know magicians and, and whatnot. Why do you think that the the maranta has sort of been like pocketed in these different populations as opposed to you know a more general you know cross pollination, as it were.
1: I I kind of would have to go back to what I initially said about this separation in education from memorizing and conceptualization. I think traditionally all education, whether it be you know grade school or higher education, they want you to understand concepts without focusing on actually memorizing information, unless maybe it's math and then you have to memorize formulas. But yeah, yeah. It, it's just there's been such a disconnect there that usually uh, when you hear about memory devices and mnemonics. It's through independent parties, such as myself. I don't teach at a school, but I do tutor students to Mm -hmm. utilize these devices. And it's also, like I said, it's a skill. So it does take time to learn. So if the instructor never learned how to do it, they're not going to learn or know how to teach it. So there's just a lot of I'd say issues with that. And if we could start using these mnemonic devices in grade school, I think the whole next generation would just see a surge in productivity because they would just memorize so much more oh, and absolutely. have fun with it.
0: And it's and it's, it sounds w- like it would help r- reduce the, with what I described, having it be in these isolated, um, you know, specialty areas, but rather mm. having a, you know, a wider range of it. it, it
1: I, yeah, definitely. And, and actually, uh, one of the interviews I've actually, I've had Nelson Dellis on a few times and he's a multiple memory champion winner. He was also displayed on the memory games, um, documentary as well as uh alex mullen who i've had on a few times too and uh he's actually a multiple memory champion and now a physician but uh nelson dellis came out with a book not too long ago that actually teaches mnemonics to kids so it's a kid's book specifically for this
0: that's cool
1: yeah i think it's going to be great to have these resources available and uh you know really help the next generation help our kids help our grandkids whatever it might be uh just being able to utilize these techniques and learn better.
0: Well, one thing I was wondering about, and I, I, I'm not sure if anyone's ever asked you this, but I, it's sort of bubbling to the surface um, right about now. And I don't know if anyone listening, if, they, if it's their mind as well, but the notion of muscle memory, um, where does that fit into this? Because I know, for example, uh, when we're learning to play the guitar, for example, it gets to a point where your your fingers kind of do, do the work for you, if that makes sense, you know, rather than you deliberately thinking about, okay, does this finger go on which fret? And does it, you know, you know what I mean? So it's like your fingers sort of do the work for you in mm-hmm. many ways after it went to good, obviously it's not that way right away, but once you, you know, your fingers are bleeding, whatnot, like in that Brian Adams song. Um, <laughs> but um, is there a comparable, you know, muscle memory sort of, um whatever you want to call it in, in mnemonics, or is that more, more of, more of a myth when it, it begins to memory?
1: You know, it, it kind of depends on who you talk to. Cause I don't believe there's any good research on this. When I talk to, uh, you know, cognitive psychologists and neurologists are like, no, there's no such thing as that, uh, at least there's no evidence based from scans or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that there is Something comparable, and this is how. So, when you're learning muscle memory, such as playing the guitar, you know those motions are sending <clears throat> neural, you know, stimulation to the motor cortex of your brain. And the more you use them, the stronger those connections get. Now, there, I would believe this is comparable is uh, I call it a visual dictionary. When you come across certain words or concepts more frequently, you can reuse the same image that you created previously. So by experimenting with it in different ways, you can utilize the same concept, the same person, same object, whatever you're utilizing for that mnemonic device in a different sense. So it kind of helps out in that way. guess it would be closer to like vocabulary learning than muscle memory. But that's the way that I've experienced it anyway.
0: And, and, and the other one, the other thing that I was wondering about is, and obviously, the, the, the subject of the, the Netflix documentary is, is about, you know, competitive uh, memory sport. But in, in terms of, you know, traditional sports, you know, whether Olympics or, or baseball or football or, you know, fill in the blank. Um, I would imagine that that much of this would still play a part as well. Would would that that be correct? Because if, if there's an athlete training, you know, whether for the Olympics or, you know, the World Series, you're going to want to have everything, you know, much like someone in recovery, you're going to want to have every single tool at your disposal.
1: Yeah. Well, like you mentioned in the beginning of this episode, the book Moonwalking with Einstein, Joshua Foer, to give a synopsis of it, he was just a journalist trying to look into memory championships, which is a very, very boring thing to report on because everyone's wearing glasses and headphones and it's not not extremely exhilarating to watch, Yeah, but then he ended up winning the next year. And I I believe he was, after he came back from that, he did get some great advice from some memory champions and Mm -hmm. kind of learned the techniques. And then he spent, what was it like six months just in (laughs) his basement studying eight hours a day and practicing these techniques. So yeah, it's definitely something that the more time you put into it, the more you're going to get from it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Um, and, and for those who didn't gather that, that 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 book title is obviously what the that that play the person action object, or I guess it would be some variation of it. You know the the the, the having the visualization of of Einstein uh, moonwalking.
1: Yeah. Um, Not really an object in that one, but uh, true, <laughs> person true, in true, true, yeah,
0: <laughs> true. Um, but this is all, look at that. It's um, very valuable information also, because I have seen courses and, and you've probably seen courses as well, where mm-hmm. it's upwards of, you know, 200 $300 or more. Um, and that's just for like, you know, one, you know, module. It can, get, yeah. it, can, it can get upwards of $1,000 easily.
1: You know, there's a great free course from another friend of mine that I've had on the show a couple of times, Anthony Mativier. Mm-hmm. He runs the Magnetic Memory Method website. Mm-hmm. And he does have like a, a four-part video series to give you the basics mm-hmm. for free. And then if you want to pay for the more advanced lessons afterwards, mm-hmm. you can. But that's a great place to start as well as both of our you know podcasts and yeah, yeah. Uh, other materials similar to that. Start off with free stuff. See if it's... Mm-hmm worth your time if it's something you really enjoy doing before paying for something. Mm
0: -hmm. Definitely. And, and uh, because this is something that it's, it's, it's a wonderful tool to have. I mean, and it's something where I can, I can talk about it and go on for hours and you can talk about it and go on for hours, (laughs) but unless someone has actually experienced it themselves, I mean, it, it is the coolest feeling. I mean, yeah. it, it is absolutely the coolest thing in the world because it's like you see the stuff in the movies about you know whether it's Rain Man counting the cards or whatever, and it's like, wait, do you mean I can do that too? <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like no one ever taught me that. Yeah, oh, we so might that, have to
1: do a separate episode just going over some examples of all the different techniques. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. And even like the, those those summer contests you see, like like count how many jelly beans are in a stuff like that, where it it would still be um, and, and stuff where it's yeah, just so many different examples, so many different examples. I, yeah, I, and I they're could,
1: not superhuman. Like every yeah. memory champion will tell you, I have a bad memory. There's nothing special about their brains that allow them to do these techniques. And actually Mm -hmm. they've done MRI studies of this and found Mm -hmm. that to be true. So this is something anyone can do at any stage in life. And like I said, they use it on uh, Alzheimer's patients currently Mm -hmm. to improve their memory. So Mm -hmm. everyone can utilize these.
0: Oh, absolutely. And, and that, um, and, and I just want to reiterate that this is you know a wonderful tool to, and even like, like I said, for those who are home today, those who aren't able to get out of bed today, um, just try it or, you know, that would be a, a suitable exercise for them to, to try it just around, around their room.
1: Yeah. Just pick like 10 locations mm-hmm. and pick 10 random items in your mind. Actually, Dominic O'Brien has a pretty good audio book on this that you can probably find for free, uh, through the library or something mm-hmm. and then place some on those 10 locations in your room and then see if you can recall it like an hour later mm-hmm. and it's interesting how easy it is to start off with some of the basic techniques
0: yeah and and, that, and that's so everyone listening say you, you got a pretty fun homework assignment not <laughs> not a bad deal <laughs> and then a fun homework assignment too i mean yeah um so as we wind down, I, I did want to mention um, a few more resources because uh, obviously you know, we want to keep, keep the emphasis on um, mental health. So I, I do want to um, just remind everyone that, that there is um, Men- Mental Health America. Their website is uh, mhanational.org, uh, also NAMI, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Uh, there is madinamerica.com, uh, lots of um, research articles on there. Um, but how would, um, Chase, how would people learn more about um, the, the memory um, tools that, that you're talking about?
1: So I definitely cover all the different tools in much more depth, search for whatever episode for whatever topic uh-huh. you want in uh, the podcast so the medical neminist and my other one, the one minute preceptor, as well as my medical education book for those that might know someone going into medical school or (laughs) currently in medical school can all be found on freemeded.org. So it's free medical education, free ed, And you can definitely hit us up on any social media there or my name, freemeded, or (laughs) my full name, Chase DeMarco, and you'll definitely be able to contact me.
0: Okay. Cool. Cool. Very, very good. Um, I, I appreciate this. Thanks. Thank you so much for, for being here today. I, I appreciate it.
1: No, it's been great. Thank Lo- you.
0: Lot, lots of good info. Um, <laughs> and um, and thank you, those of you at home or on your way to work or you know home from work, wherever you may be. Um, stay safe, everyone, and uh, talk to you next time. Uh, bye.